Amen. We do thank the Lord for Marcel and um, those of you don't know that the young lady that, that led our first has just finished her treatments for, um, um, for cancer. And we thank God, Marcel, that God could give you that strength. And um, even a couple of weeks ago, we wouldn't, have, we wouldn't have known that and continue to pray, pray for her. And um, we're just going to have a time of prayer this morning. Um, pray for her and pray for, for Mary, um, this dear Marcel's sister-in-law and mother of many here this morning. And um, pray for our sister Judy Sweat that um, is, is, is fighting in and, um, and that, that particular area. Folks, um, he's risen. And there's power, and we're going to be looking this morning, there's power in the resurrection. And, um, and I, we just need to pray this morning. And um, for any, we see little Hayden back there. And um, there's power. If we could just, just begin to understand who Christ is and what the resurrection means. Let's go to our Lord in prayer. Our Father, we just come this morning, and God, um, we're here today to recognize that you are alive. And the grave could not hold you. And, and the Lord, that because of that, that, Father, our hope is on a rock. It's on the rock of the risen Savior. And, God, we realize that within all your hands is all power. I thank you, Father, even this morning as, as we, have, we have prayed over and over and over and over again. God, and prayed for, for Marcel and her could sing this morning. God, we've prayed also for Mary. And Mary's very, very ill this morning, Lord. And God, we, we recognize with Mary, unless God, you intervene, unless you intervene, dear Father, she will not be with us much longer, be gathered to you. But God, we, as long as we have breath, we're going to pray. And, um, and, and God, I just pray for my dear, dear sister. She would be right here with us this morning. I pray for, for Greg and, and, and that whole family. And God, today, I pray for Miss Judy Sweat. God, she got news this week she didn't want to hear. But God, that doesn't negate who you are. And um, it does not negate your power. All the doctors can do is give you their information. And I thank you for the medical um, uh, profession, dear Father. But God, they would quickly admit that, God, they are limited. But God, you are not limited. And so, God, I pray for these, O oh Lord God. I just pray that, God, that you would intervene in a way that, that would bring the glory to, to the risen Savior. And, God, that you would just continue to bless, God. We have others. We have Robert here today, and I thank you that he's doing better. But, God, I pray that you just completely make him whole, dear Lord. And so it's so good to see him be able to walk in these doors today. And, um, God, it just seems like within our family, Lord, there's just been so much of an attack um, from, from infirmity, dear Lord. But God, that we know that there's a better day coming. God, we know that there will be a day where, God, there will be no infirmity. That you're going to make all things new. But God, until that time, God, as long as we're on this earth, God, um, we, just, we, are just, we are just reminded to pray to the risen Savior. I continue to pray for my sister Bridget, dear Father, and God... Um, you just bless her, dear Father, and Juanita, and, and God, there's so many more that, that, that I know I failed to mention. But God, you are good. 
And God, you do good. And God, our hope, our hope is in you, Lord, not in this world. And for that, we give you the praise and the glory in Christ's name. Amen and amen. I want to read you a verse today that, to be very frank with you, that years ago, that probably in the, one of the lowest times of my life that, I want to move some of these cords out of here. Y'all need to get a little more equipment up here. <laughs> and uh, I can trip over my own feet, so... Um, but I'll read to you a verse today that um, years ago, probably, the, in the, probably one of the most spiritual dark times of my life where I was simply crying out to the Lord. And I was just having one of those big pity parties that sometimes I'm prone to, to, to find myself in. And there within, apparently within my bosom, because I did not even know that I had this claim to memory, God himself quoted a verse into my mind. And it's this particular verse. It's the verse that when I got, when I got up, things were different. Because if you read in, in Philippians, the third chapter, verse 10, the, the, the heart's desire of the apostle Paul. And understanding that this was maybe 20 years after his own salvation, after he had himself personally met, read, met the risen Savior, that something would, could never leave him. And he, he, you could tell that within his heart, even though he had grown much in Christ and he was a, a great servant of the Lord and a probably other than the Lord Jesus Christ, the greatest missionary this world has ever known that if you'd think that if anybody had all of Jesus and that it would have been Paul, but the Apostle Paul spoke these words. Oh, that I may know him. Oh, that, that I may know him more. And we know that, that Paul knew him, but, but he's just saying, I just want to understand him more. I'm not even scratching at the surface of my understanding of the person of Jesus Christ. But he didn't stop there. Not only do I want to know him more, but I also want to know the power of the resurrection. A man who himself had witnessed Jesus Christ, the risen Savior. A man himself who had seen the power of the resurrection through healings and other miracles. But a man whom said, I still want to know more about the power of his resurrection. And then he said something else that it's probably very uncomfortable for many people that live in today's Christian world that all they want is the giddy feelings of what Jesus had given them. But he said, also, I want to know the fellowship of her sufferings. I want to feel the thorns 
that Jesus felt. I want to feel the piercings. I want to feel the, the ridicule. I want to feel the forsakingness. I want to feel these things because I realize that my great, our greatest fellowship grows in times of suffering. That's how we get to know each other more than any other time because that's when the real person shows up. That's what's down, when, what's down in the bucket shows up is when we are suffering together. And Paul says, that's what I want more of. I want to know him deeper. I want to know the power of the resurrection even more. And I want to know the fellowship of his sufferings in a way that I've never known. But today we're going to focus on that second clause and the power of the resurrection. And so as we stop and we think about this man that spoke these words, we, we really need to understand who this man was to really begin to understand what he's meaning by this. Because if we look back a few years and whom we know as the Apostle Paul, he was not even named Paul. He was named Saul. He was a guy that was born into the right family of the right tribe, the tribe of Benjamin for which the, the very first king of Israel came. He was a guy that was a tremendously smart growing up and, and he was immediately put in those gifted programs by where he would sit under the very finest teachers in all of Israel. Only a chosen few could get that blessing. But not only that, he was, he was a star student. He was the guy that would rake in all the ribbons. And he was the guy, even as a young man, was on the fast track of Jewish society. Being on the who's who of the up-and-coming scholars. You know, in the Jewish world, they'd look at him and say, wow, he's got it all. This is a guy that has it all put together. You know people like that? They seem like they have the whole package. That was Saul. But you know, if we really begin to look into Saul's life there was something missing he came from the best family was equipped with a, with a great mind one of the best of, of his, his entire world at that time trained in the best schools was on the fast track for success but there was still something missing because what you could find in this man, that there was something there that he was trying to meet that need. And you could almost feel within him, deep within him, some anger 
or boiling just because maybe that although that he had everything that the world that he should want within this world, there was something so deep within him that was still missing. And you saw that, that frustration with him come because he, he began to join a cause. And, and, and normally we do try to join causes because that, that seems to bring satisfaction to us. And, and his cause was to stamp out the very name of this one who is called Jesus. This man that, 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 that seemed to be coming and, 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 and in Saul's mind was tearing down everything that he knew within his life. And if, if we really was able to look in the scripture, we'd probably find that Saul was very at the head of the crowd when he began to cry out, crucify him, kill him. He was probably like some of that Bernie Sanders crowd. Looking for a fight anytime he could. Passing out flyers to get rid of this man, Jesus. And not only was he not satisfied when Jesus Christ was crucified, he wanted to get rid of everyone that was associated with Jesus. Can you imagine that much anger in people? Can you imagine someone who lives their life just angry at everyone else? They're not satisfied within their own life, and so therefore they have to pick on someone else to be angry at? That was Saul. Again, not satisfied with just destroying Jesus Christ, but also destroying any follower of Jesus Christ. Matter of fact, it was Saul that gathered up the crowd and stoned a young man by the name of Stephen because the Bible clearly says that they laid their coats at his feet, meaning that he was probably the leader of the bunch and, and directing everyone where to throw their stones. But he wasn't satisfied with that. Not only was he not satisfied with just right there in Jerusalem, the Word of God tells us that he went from city to city trying to imprison and destroy every follower of Christ he met. I give you that story because I think there's so many people who find themselves where Saul is. People that, that really seem to have everything. And other people maybe admire them. But when they look in the mirror every morning, they see a miserable person. A person that's not content. A person that the only way they can build themselves up is by tearing other people down. But a funny thing happened on the way of imprisoning followers of Jesus the very Jesus he, he watched crucify be crucified and the very same Jesus which he hated so much the risen Savior met him on the road to Damascus 
And folks, from the, from the time that he met the risen Savior, everything, everything changed in his life. That bitterness, that anger began to roll away. Those, those, those hateful feelings began to, to roll away. And everything that he had fought so hard against, now he began to commit himself and to be willing to die for. And it was the same man that some 20 years later would write these words that I, I need to know Jesus more, but you know what? I need to know the power of the resurrection that much more because it was the resurrected Savior that, that turned my world upside down. I've never been the same. I never will be the same. And I can't wait until I meet him in heaven once again. And I say that today to, to let you know that the, the, the power of the resurrection is not only a story about, about God rose a man from the dead, a man by the name of Jesus, that it's a story that affects you and me today, just like it did Paul. That it has a way of transforming not only us, but it can transform things around us because there's power within the resurrection. And I want us to stop, and I want us to think about that this morning because, again, I want you to make this Easter personal. It's not just about a story that happened 2,000 years ago. It's a story that's still happening today, folks. It is still just as powerful today as it was 2,000 years ago because every time we see a changed life. We see the power of the resurrection. And so let's just look at that today. Let's look at what it means to you and to me. What, what was it all about for me? And as this old Paul was writing and he was just speaking his heart and that you know what, I can't get enough of this man Jesus, and I can't, I can't understand enough of his power of his resurrection and even the fellowship of his suffering. And so first of all, let's just understand that one thing that we have to know that, that when we speak about the power of the resurrection or the ability that, 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 that it means that it affirms the faithfulness of God's word. I think this is so interesting. The first of all, the, I want to speak of the living word. John says this of Jesus Christ. In the beginning was the word, and the word was with God, and the word was God. Speaking of Jesus Christ himself. That's how John chose to introduce Jesus Christ into the world. And so it's this very living word that, that rose from the grave on that first Easter Sunday. But it was this very living word, this very Jesus Christ whom Paul, when, when he, was, he was not a believer, that he denied. He, he denied that Jesus was the Son of God. That's why Jesus Christ was crucified. Who do men say that you are? Do you really claim that you're the king of the Jews? And folks, that's why they crucified Jesus Christ, because they thought Jesus Christ, and Paul thought Jesus Christ was blaspheming when he admitted that, yes, I'm the Son of God. And this man didn't believe it. He did not believe that Jesus was who he said who he was. And there's many people today, and I'm sure there's people right within this congregation of, 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 the, of the 
200 plus or 300 plus this morning that, you know, that you, you, you affirm that, that there's probably ones of Jesus, but I really, really don't believe that he was the son of God. Maybe he was a good man and a prophet, but there's been other good men and other prophets and good philosophers. Because, folks, it's what you believe about Jesus Christ is how you live your life. And Paul did not believe any of these things. But it was Paul who later wrote this because, remember, after he met the risen Savior, he had to have a change of mind. He had to believe that that surely this guy who claimed he was the Son of God, who claimed that if you tear down this temple in three days that I'd rise it again, that when Paul met the risen Savior face to face, that gave it gave him the power to understand that Jesus is who he really says he is. How can he deny that? He probably witnessed Jesus being crucified. He witnessed Jesus die. He probably witnessed the earthquake. We don't know. He could have followed them to bury him. The Bible is quiet about that, but we know that he was a central figure in the Jewish world. But he knew without a doubt that this Jesus, whom he hated, whom he just, just had such distaste for, he knew he was finally dead. probably quite certain they had a celebration party on the night of the crucifixion finally we got this imposter out of the way but folks when Paul met the risen savior face to face all he could do is begin to believe that he is who he says he was He's not that imposter, and that's why Paul himself would later write in, in Romans, the fourth chapter, 14th chapter, verse 9, to this end Christ died and rose and lived again, that he might be the Lord of both the living and the dead. He realized that because Jesus died and he rose again, he is Lord of not only the living and the dead. And so Paul recognized that Jesus was the Son of God. And folks, if you really believe that Jesus is the risen Son of God, it's going to change some things about your life. Because if you really believe that Jesus is the Son of God, you have to then begin to understand other things that Jesus Christ said about himself. That he does have a kingdom. And the Bible also says that he's the righteous judge. And so if, if Jesus is really who he says he is, he's the son of God and, and he's, he's the king of kings and, and that he's a righteous judge then, then, and he's the, the Lord of the living and the dead, then, then one day I'm going to have to give account to him. And one day you are. But not only does it have the power to affirm the faithfulness of God's word, the living word, but also God's written word. It was Paul who wrote these words in 1 Corinthians 15, 4, that, that he was buried and that he arose again the third day according to the Scriptures. Now, did you know the Apostle Paul, when, when Paul was writing these words, 
He did not have the New Testament that he has. We have plenty of, of, of New Testament scriptures that speaking about Jesus Christ, where Jesus says, for as Jonah was three days and three nights in the belly of the great fish, so will the Son of Man be three days and three night, days uh, not in the heart of the earth. But Paul was referring back to what we understand today as the Old Testament. You see, the resurrection is not a new thing. It was Job that said, and in, in probably one of the earlier books that were ever written, I know that my Redeemer lives. He says, and though my, my, I may die and worms may eat up my flesh, I shall see him face to face as he stands upon this earth. A very clear reference to the resurrection. It was David who wrote in Psalm 16, for you will not leave my soul, or you will not leave me in Sheol, nor will you allow your Holy One to see corruption. That though I may die, I will not see corruption. And so what it does is because of the resurrection of Jesus Christ, it has the power to you and me, and I guarantee you for, the, for Paul that transformed this man from a, a man of anger and bitterness and one who rejected Jesus Christ as the Son of God to make him completely begin to understand that first that Jesus Christ is who he says he is and also the Word of God's true. Hmm. I could stop right now and challenge each of you. Let me just ask you, if you have a word of God in your hand right now, it may be, it may be in, in paper form or it may be in digital form. Would you show it to me? Wow. And thank God. I thank God for that. And maybe you don't have you with it. I encourage you if you come because we're, we're going we're to preach out the word of God. But, but most of us probably have one or two or three of these laying around our house. Okay. If the power of the resurrection reveals the faithfulness of God's word, that, that Jesus, first of all, the living word, that Jesus is who he says he is, and that his scripture is true, then that which you just held in your hand is you're going to be judged by that one day. That's the word of God. And so the very thing that, that we pick up and we put on our cabinet space, we put it on our, the dash of our car until next Sunday or we tuck away, the folks, that is going to be by which you're going to be judged one day because that is truth. Jesus said, sanctify them by, them, by your truth, thy word is truth. And you're going to be judged by truth one day. Hmm. So if Jesus Christ is really who he says he is because we know that because he rose from the dead. No, no, man, no man has ever done that before. No, no man would make the claim, you kill me in three days, I'll be alive again. And doggone if Jesus didn't do it. And this man that hated Jesus so much that he became a believer that, that everything that I thought about Jesus was wrong, but now I'm looking at the raised Christ. He's right, and not only is he right, and therefore he's the Son of God, but also his word is true. 
And he's the Lord of the living and the dead, which gives implication that one day that he's going to judge both the living and the dead. And so I'm saying today, dear friends, what are you going to do one day if you're toying with this person that you call Jesus, that yes, you, yeah, he's, but, but your life is not really, you might say that you believe that he's the son of God, but your life does not look like that. And you say that you believe in his word, but your life does not follow the word of God. What are you going to do one day when you're standing before the risen Christ? What excuses are you going to make? Can you imagine the person that's always, there's, there's people today that, isn't it amazing that you can, you can go to, to, to a school or any government building all over America today and you can speak of Buddha or you can speak of Muhammad, but you begin to speak of Jesus Christ, people go nuts. I mean, it's crazy. But what are those people that's going to go, that, the ones that goes nuts over Jesus Christ, what are they going to do just like the Apostle Paul when, when Jesus, where Paul used to go nuts when you spoke of the word of Jesus Christ? He was one of that crowd. But folks, what are you going to do one day when you're standing before this Jesus who rose again from the grave? Are you going to say that you're not real? <laughs> when he's standing there before you, when you see this, the, 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 the nail scars in his hand? And when he begins to pull out the word... And you're going to say, I don't believe that. He says, it doesn't matter whether you believe it or not. Truth is truth. Folks, what I'm saying to you is that, that because Jesus rose again, he is who he says he is, and his word is true, and that we all are going to be held accountable to that one day. And so, therefore, it should change our lives. I know years ago, coming out of university, first class I ever had was on was on was on Darwinism and evolution, and and and, and boy, my little mind was being filled with all of that, and then have anthropology, and and you know what's so funny? Even my anthropology professor that 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 taught us about all the 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 cape, he looked just like one of those guys. I mean, he he, he was almost a he almost was like a model for them. I mean, um, a case in point that that, and so you have all of that, and you, you you so you're walking out of college with all of these things in your mind, and and then. Then I begin to get into the Word of God. And... But you know what happened when I began to get into the Word of God? And I'll admit to you, when I got started getting into the Word of God, it was not that I was hungry for Jesus Christ. I was just trying to read something. And, and, and there was a living Bible there that Miss Ginger Townsend had given me at high school that I never cracked. And I began to read that living. And you know what? I met the risen Savior. You know what I mean, Brother Joe? I, I mean, folks, it was like, it was like that word that's 2,000 years ago. He began to speak to me right then. And I began to think, Lord, how did you know these things about my life? And then when I began to realize this word is truth, I had to make a decision. What am I going to do with this? That God, either I'm going to follow it or I'm not going to follow it. And I remember going through that, that mental exercise and that spiritual exercise of saying to God, God, if your word is truth and I know that it is, then I'm going to have to follow it because I'm going to stand before the risen Savior one day.
It changed this boy's life years ago just like it changed Paul's life years ago and just like it's changed many of yours' life. But I, I, I tell you, it's a dangerous thing to toy with the risen Christ. It's a dangerous thing to come here today and, and sing songs about he is risen and speak it with our mouth but don't live it in our lives every single day. That's a dangerous thing because you can lull yourself to sleep. You see, the power of the resurrection is it reveals that the faithfulness of God's word, Jesus is a person as well as his written word, but also it has the power to deliver men from the penalty and the power of sin. Paul wrote these words that, that's Jesus Christ who is delivered because of our offenses and was raised because or on account of our justification. That folks, our very justification, our very standing before God is based upon the resurrection of Jesus Christ. And you may ask, why is that so? Why is our very salvation, folks, if Jesus Christ had died and had stayed in that grave, first of all, he would not have been who he said he was. And he could not have done what he said he would do because he said he came to, 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 not to be ministered to, but to minister and to give his life as a ransom for many. But if he had stayed in that grave, he'd have never accomplished that. We'd have never been justified. We'd never be singing about that blood that, that, that washed away our sins. But because Jesus rose from that grave, it completed our justification. First of all, because it completed the work of Jesus Christ. That Jesus Christ came, he was born of a virgin, he was born of righteous seed. He lived a righteous life, never deserving to die, accomplished what you and me could not accomplish by living a righteous life, not deserving to die. The wages of sin is death. That's what we have to pay for. Jesus had never sinned, so therefore he died not for his own sin, but he died for your and my sin. But folks, if he had never come out of that grave, he had been just like you and me. He would have never conquered death. But because he rose from the grave, he completed what he started when God placed him in his mother's womb. He completed our justification. Not only dying on it for our sins, but overcoming the power of death. But not only that, that proves that he was accepted by the Father. Because if Jesus Christ had, 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 his work was accepted by the Father, and it's the Father for whom we sin against. And if Jesus Christ would still have been in that grave, then, then, then the Father would have recognized that his works were not accepted by me, but folks, they were accepted. Because when Jesus Christ took our graves to the uh, our, our sins to the grave and that our sins were buried with Jesus Christ. The Father says, well done, good and faithful servant. Come on now and be with me. And so J Jesus completed what he set out to do and it was accepted by the Father. And then finally, part of our justification is even as what we heard preached in the sunrise serving service this morning, our justification is the very basis of our hope. And Peter says that's a living hope. 
That's a hope that God has something better awaiting every single one of us. And because that Jesus rose from the dead, that is, by the, that is the very hope for which we stand on as believers in Jesus Christ. I have been justified that I will also be glorified. Oh, folks, if, all, if this is all that you're living for is this world, I'm so sorry for you. If, if this is the best that you've got right here, then what do you really have? That good health you have, let me tell you, Sister Allie, that health's going to wear out one day, isn't it? I mean, you're going to have to drag yourself off and come to church one day. If, 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 if you think you're in good health today, I'm just telling you, give it some time. Give it some time. Now, I remember hearing my old brother-in-law, oh, that's right. Marcus, when he turned 50, he says, oh, just wait, Johnny, until you turn 50, until you turn 60. Well, folks, I'm about to hit 60, and I hear what he's saying. Things just don't work like they used to. Why? Because, folks, I live in a fallen world, and I've got a fallen body. And folks, God's not promised us in this body to live another day. We're all, we're all, we're all a phone call away from that which we don't want to hear. Where your world can be shattered just like that. So if all you have is to live for this world and that house that you live in, let me tell you, you may be in the house of your dreams, but that's not going to satisfy you for long. You're going to want something bigger and nicer. And even if it was, it can only last so many years. If this is all you have to hope for, we're almost miserable. But for those who've been justified, that we have a living hope that there's something better awaiting each of us, and we're going to look at that in just a moment. And that's based upon the resurrection of Jesus Christ. That we don't have to stay where we are. Another thing that we have to understand about the power of the resurrection, it has that, that, that power to, to reveal Jesus for who he is. and It has the powers to complete my justification. But also it, gives me the, it has the power to give me strength in the newness of life. It was Paul who wrote these words. He says, Therefore we're buried with Jesus in the baptism and the death, and just as Jesus Christ was raised from the dead by the glory of the Father, even so we should walk in newness of life. If anybody could speak those words with truth, it was Paul, because, folks, after he met the risen Savior, his life was absolutely new. No more anger, no more bitterness, no more hatred toward Jesus Christ, but a man who absolutely gave up his life to tell the story of the good news of Jesus Christ. A man who went city to city to city. He gave up marriage. He gave up everything so he could tell people what Jesus Christ had done for him. It did not matter what, what crowd he was in. Paul says, you know what? I'll do whatever I need to do. I'll be all things to all men that I might see some saved. Because, hey, if, if, I've, got, if I've got to live in the dirt with those who live in the dirt, I'll do it if I can tell them about Jesus. If I have to, if I have to live in castles and, and eat in castles with the king, 
things to tell them about Jesus, then that's what I'll do. If I have to learn to speak Greek, I'll learn to speak Greek because to tell them about Jesus, that's what I'll do. Whatever it takes, I want to let the people know about this new life that I live. And this was a man that once hated Jesus Christ. See, everything changes. You know, the Bible teaches us when we are truly saved and justified that he gives us a new heart. And when we have a new heart, the Bible says all issues of life flows from our heart. So therefore, that changes our desires. And Paul says that now we have the mind of Christ. And, and, and actually, that's what becoming a Christian is all about, is there's a change of mind that's called repentance. That No longer am I concerned about the things I used to be concerned about. Now I'm concerned about the things of God. Everything changes. I don't have to walk like I used to walk. You see, I also realize there's some people in this place today that you're miserable where you are right now. Now, you may walk in here and have a smile on your face and have your arm around your wife or husband or significant other and like everything's okay. But last night, it was hell at your house. If the walls could talk. I might be like Paul and think I've got, I'm a guy that's got it all together. But if someone could only look at me, because one thing I've understood as a pastor, I never know what's going on in the minds and the hearts and the lives of people. But you know what the power of resurrection is? You don't have to live like that anymore. You don't have to stay there. That God can do such a work in you that he can, he can change your life that you'll walk in newness of life. That you can walk in a whole different way than, than you're walking even yesterday. And that's what's such a joy. That is, the, that, that is the greatest example of the resurrection that is lived out day in life. I could begin to give you testimonies all over this congregation about people where they used to be. I could, I could tell you about someone that you might be sitting on a row with about where their life used to be. You said, nah, that can't be true. I can tell you it is true. But the resurrected Savior did such a, uh, uh, not only did, was he resurrected from death to life, he changed a person's life from death to life. That it has the power to let you walk in newness of life. You don't have to keep walking that same miserable path. You don't have to live in that anger anymore. You don't have to live in a world of negativism anymore. You don't have to live in a world of doubt anymore. You don't have to live in a world of pain anymore because there's a resurrected Savior that says, listen, I can change your life. The Apostle Paul says, if any person is in Christ Jesus, he is a new creation. All things have passed away. Behold, all things become new. Wow. Let me just read you this verse. I was looking at this. I was thinking about last night and I know I've got to close soon, but, but we're talking about this newness of life. We talked about that living hope a while ago. Let me just tell you what's going to unfold in the latter days. You see, in the latter days, when Christ came, he came first time to be Savior and servant of the world. He's coming again to be the king of the world. 
And one day, the Bible says he's going to destroy all things. And you know, everything that you can see is going to be destroyed. And all things are going to be made new, include the heavens and the earth. He gave a man a glimpse of this through a vision one time. His name was John. And John wrote these words about that future for which we have, those that are Jesus Christ. And, and John wrote of these words we find in Revelation, the 21st chapter, starting at verse 1. He says, I saw a new heaven and a new earth. For the first heaven and the first earth had passed away. You see, anything that you can see, touch, or feel is going to be destroyed one day. He said, there was no more sea. Then I, John, saw the holy city, New Jerusalem, coming down from the heaven of God, prepared as a bride, adorned for her husband. And I heard a loud voice from heaven saying, behold, the tabernacle of God is with men. Speaking, That's where men and God are going to dwell together. And he will dwell with them, and they shall be his people. God himself will be with them and be their God. Listen to this. For those of you that's going through trial, and God will wipe away every tear from their eyes. There should be no more death, nor sorrow, nor crying. There should be no more pain, for the former things have passed away. Folks, is that good news or not? I told you, if all you're living for is this world, then you're most miserable. Because there's going to be a day when there'll be no more pain, no more tears, no more sorrow. And then it says, Then he who sat on the throne, speaking about the risen Savior, said, Behold, I make all things new. And he said, Right, for these things are true and faithful. Folks, Jesus Christ is in the business of making all things new. And because he arose from the dead, when Jesus arose from the dead, there was something very unusual. That then he, was, he, he, he still lived within a body, but now that was a glorified body. It was a body that was not like the one that he had before. It was a body that would never die again. And the Bible tells us, or this same John who saw this vision said that one day, for those that are his shall be like him. So one day we will have those new bodies. Folks, there won't be any hospitals in heaven. There'll be no graveyards in heaven. There'll be no hospital or, or, or nurses or doctors. Because he'll make all things new. But that promise is only for those who have been born again. Only those who truly believe that Jesus is who he says he is, and their life proves it out, and they believe in his word. And then finally, the power of the resurrection has the power to give victory over, over the dominion of death, and we've already spoken about that. Paul writes in Romans 6, 9, knowing that Christ, having been raised from the dead, dies no more, death has no, death no longer has dominion over him. And folks, that same promise is spoken to us. Paul would write in 1 Corinthians 15th chapter, O death, where is thy sting? O grave, where is thy victory? The sting of death is sin, and the strength of sin is the law. But thanks be to God, which give us his victory through the Lord Jesus Christ. Wow. Paul writes in Romans 8, 11, but if the spirit of him who raised Jesus from the, dead, um, from the death dwells in you. Listen to this now. For if the spirit of him 
who raised Jesus from the dead dwells in you. If you are a true believer and dwelt with the Spirit of God, he who raised Jesus from the dead will also give life to your mortal bodies through his Spirit who dwells in you. So you know who eternal life is promised to? Those who are indwelt with the Holy Spirit of God. Death has no power over you. These old bodies, these old corruptible bodies will one day die. But folks, praise God. I won't have that ache in my shoulders anymore. I won't have that anxiety in my chest anymore. I won't have that bladder problem anymore. Because I'll have a new body. Isn't that good? And it's all because of the risen Savior. That death has no victory over thee. That even though this old body may die, but my soul, as Paul says, to be absent from the body is to be present with the Lord. To, to live is Christ, but to die is gain because I've got so much more life awaiting me. And folks, that is what on this Easter Sunday I want you to stop and I want you to think in your heart that when you read these words, it speaks about that he's no longer here, he is risen. When you hear men speak as the Apostle Paul that says, Oh, I want to know him and the power of his resurrection and the fellowship of suffering. The folks, this is not words just were written that, that, that just to, 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 to be set aside 2,000 years ago. These are words that, that are applicable to you and me today. There was power in the resurrection 2,000 years ago. There's power in the resurrection today. It can absolutely begin to change your mind about who Jesus Christ is and about the, the faithfulness of his word. It can absolutely bring justification into your life that your sins will be forgiven and you'll have a hope in Jesus Christ. It can change the way you live. You don't have to live like you have been living. And you never have to worry again. In fear of death because he won the victory over death. And so I speak to you today. Does your heart long what Paul's heart longed for? Oh, that I might know him. See, there's some of you today that might know about Jesus, but you don't know Jesus. Because this is not a head knowledge. This is a personal, intimate knowledge. This year, my wife and, be me, and me will be married for 40 years. We, before we were married, we, we met each other in, in the seventh grade. And, and so we'd known each other and, and dated each other for, for a few years. I really thought I knew one to see. But folks, I'm still getting to know her. And the more I know her, the more I love her. And she's still getting to know me. See, that's how it is with Jesus Christ. You can know about somebody, but you don't know that person. You have to have intimate relationship with them. Has there ever come that point in your life that you have an intimate relationship no, you know, Jesus, that righteous judge, that risen Savior, that one day he's going to stand and there's going to be people to come to him. And, they, and he's going to say, away from me, I never knew you. But Lord, you know, didn't we do this for you? Didn't we preach your name? Didn't we do miracles? But he says, you know, I didn't ever know you. 
That's going to be a sad day. And so today, I challenge you. If you don't know Jesus in a personal way today, let it be the day of your salvation. But then also, you're faced with the fact where Paul says that I might know the power of his resurrection. If you came today and you sang the songs about the risen Savior, you got all chilly bumped and all about you, is that enough? Was there enough power within that to change your life? Singing a song has no power to it. Only the resurrected Christ has power. And that's the resurrected Christ that you'll stand before one day. And he'll be judging you by his word. And if you have not settled that in your heart of knowing that Jesus Christ is the risen Savior, today let it be the day of your salvation. And also today, if you walked in here and if we could really know what you're going through, you don't have to stay there any longer. Christ has the power to change your very walk. But it has to be done his way. Has the Holy Spirit spoken to you today? In just a moment, we're going we're gonna, to we're gonna close out. But the most important part, important part of our service comes right now. And I just ask for our believers just to be praying. Because you've met that risen Savior. Because I think there's people today that maybe felt like I felt years ago when I got on my bed and said, God, I'm just so sick and tired of being sick and tired. I'm just, I'm just tired of the way my life's going. That was when the power of the resurrection began to overtake my life. And he changed my life. Folks, he can change your life too. Is he speaking to you right now? If, if you feel something speaking to your heart right now, that very well may be the risen Savior calling to you. I want to pray or our team's going to come and lead us in a song. If the risen Savior is speaking to you right now, he may be speaking to you right now to come to me, come to salvation. I invite you to come and let somebody pray with you and talk with you. Or maybe you, you today you're he's saying, come, put my yoke upon you and learn of me and I'll give you rest for my soul. You don't have to, you don't have to carry that yoke anymore. Come. Is he speaking to you today? You see, he met this guy by the name of Paul in all of his anger, in all of his pain, and he met him on the road and changed his life. Maybe he's wanting to meet you today. Let's pray. Now, Father, we just come now. And Holy Spirit, I just pray that you do what you want to do. I thank you for the whole power of the resurrection. And God, I just pray right now that God, the, the risen Savior, is speaking and calling and wooing people into himself. God, that you're giving hope where there is no hope, where they're giving strength where there is no strength. 
God, do what's only you can do in Christ's name. Amen. In just a moment, we're going to stand.